special episode of Black Men Cry 2. I am not going to be a part of the conversation. This is a topic that is near to my heart and it's a very special topic. And since we were talking about co-parenting and I am not a parent as yet, I decided to bring on two dope parents that are also mental health licensed therapists and counselors on top of that. And they have another interesting similarity as well. So for this episode, we're going to do a little drink chance. I'm going to pour something up for them and then I'm going to be gone. Off, let's cheers to parenthood. Okay, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> the one question I want to ask you guys to start it off is what do you hear and how do you feel with the term co parenting? Because to raise a child, you need two parents to begin with. So this new term with co-parenting, how does that hit home for you guys? I hear, I get mixed emotions when I hear co-parenting because oftentimes I hear co-parenting when it comes to an issue um, occurring. So someone may ask, how is the co-parenting going? Meaning that underneath it, that you're having some struggles in co-parenting, generally speaking. That's why I'm checking in on you. Um, and prior to becoming a parent, I thought co-parenting was something that occurred in other communities, not the black communities. Because I never heard a black person say co-parenting when I was a child. Um, I did not grow up in a family, in a, in a home where the parents were separated. But at the same time, I did have friends and relatives who did, but they never used co-parenting. And the interesting thing about that was the parent who was not in the home where the child resided was often not seen. So I wasn't sure if they were even co-parenting. So when I hear co-parenting, that's why I have the mixed emotions around it. Because I don't know if it's good. I don't know it's bad. if it's bad. But at times when it's brought up is, is to do a checkup, an inventory checkup on somebody who is co-parenting. What do you think, Mandy? That, but also I've learned that co-parenting is not just for a single parent. It's actually for those who are married because you have to combine both of you guys' values and your thoughts to raise your child. So you never hear it in that light. You just call it parenting when reality is still parent versus parent and coming together, whether you're in the same house or not. So... Um, I see it as a negative way to a certain extent, but I typically try to view it as more positive because it's the check-in, you're checking on both parents since they're not in the same house, but you're making sure they're in the same space when it comes to the child. So. Mm, I like that. And that's something that comes underneath it, right? Yeah. It could be co-parenting and you're living in the home with that parent. Yeah. Exactly. If you are the father, right? Yeah. And from your experience of having a child and having, um, you know, of course, your child has a father. Um, first of all, can you share, like, what your parenting status is? <laughs> um, I am a single woman, but I do co-parent uh, okay. with my daughter's father. So, like, he's literally, like, my best friend. You would okay. never see a difference. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, so, you have one? I have two girls and one boy. Okay. I like that combination. Yeah, because right. it's the end of the combination right there. <laughs> okay. All right. So, three kids. Yep. That's a lot. Uh, it could be worse. Okay. And three kids and all the father, he's the father of all three of the children? He's the father of my girls, um, but he literally picked up my son where his father lacks. 
So okay. he made it very known, like, even in my pregnancy, like, we're still a family. Your kids are my kids, no matter what. Like, we're a unit. They need to be together. They're siblings. So even after my son was born, he met him, reintroduced the girls to him, because it was just me and my son at first. And we do stuff all together all the time. So it's really no lack. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if in that case, my question would be, how is fatherhood treating you? Fatherhood with Spencer is great. <laughs> mm. um, at first, it was rocky because naturally calling off a humongous, long relationship, years, literally years, uh, calling off living together, a marriage, everything was a lot. But once we got over that hump, put our personal stuff to the side and like him apologizing, which is like the biggest thing that happened with us apologizing and saying like where he went wrong and how we can come together fatherhood has been amazing like we do uh trips all the time we split holidays if we don't do it together we do a group trip once a month it's like meeting up somewhere and doing stuff mm. so like uh he's not the best but he's the goat for sure okay yeah okay the best is the goat though yeah i mean the greatest ever as far as like what i know when it comes to like co-parenting experience like i have friends and they don't have that experience it's literally you're a single mother and so to actually have a guy that's a father, a girl dad at that, which is out of his element because he's all boys in his family. So him stepping up and buying sports bras and cheerleading gear and tea party stuff and practicing with them and soccer and doing all that and trying to brush their hair and feeling. I love it. So mm. it's, it's, it's great. So he's the greatest for what I know. He may not be the best in anyone else's eyes, but over here, he's, he's pretty dope. Interesting. So you said that it sounded like you guys were on the route to marriage. Yeah, we were right there, like two months away. Wow. And then it changed up. Yep. Um, but you were both able to kind of recalibrate, mm. at least for the sake of the ch children. Yeah, once he uh, got out his own way, <laughs> like he put it, once he got out his own way and saw where the lack was, and I can acknowledge like where the lack was on my end, and like, like you're my best friend. I've known him literally since I was 12 years old, and we used to live right by each other. So we could go back to that friendship foundation, like, okay, and we just share kids. It's okay. <laughs> so how was that process, recalibrating? It was rough at first because, like, naturally having all those years together and then um, trying to find a new middle ground without having, like, those feelings and emotions and hate, like, that took a minute. But I'm glad, like, we stepped away and, like, let each other breathe and not even, like, bring up the kids. Like, we just needed a minute to, like, be separate. And then, like, okay, let's... Don't forget, like, you need to do this and not talk about relationships or anything like ill will. So the recalibration portion was definitely needed. And then it's just high back then, like nothing ever happened. And I don't want to minimize the recalibration because mm -hmm. that's where if it's not recalibrated right, it can yeah. turn into the drama. Oh, yeah. It took a minute. <laughs> For sure. Um, but we're human, so drama... It's going to come, even when you don't mean it. So, like, moments like this, say, like, we're talking on the couch and we're sipping and some might slip up in a conversation. It's like, oh, snap. Well, we got to remember, okay, but we're not there no more. So, if you don't have that common ground of this is where it needs to be, then it's going to fail. Were you a therapist at the time? No. No, I wasn't. The time we broke up, I was actually graduating with my bachelor's. We actually broke up right before my graduation, and he didn't show up. And mm. we were supposed to get married right after that. So it was like, it was like a downhill. Like, everything was public. Didn't, broke up. He missed graduation, missed my birthday, all that stuff. Just boom, 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 boom. Like, ooh, I want to kill you. You're creating <laughs> a lot of suspense around you. Do you, do you mind sharing what yeah. happened? Okay. Um. So I'm a part of a Black Letter Greek organization, so I'm an SG Rome. And after Say that I, again? I'm a Sigma Gamma Rho. Okay. Oh, yeah, Sigma Rho. Sorry, incorporated. There we go. Um, after I cross, he 
felt like the attention wasn't on him anymore. But I'm like, it never was. Like, we had our oldest daughter first, and then we had our youngest, and then I played. So, so uh, you were in school mm-hmm. with a child of yep. being a parent already yep. and pregnant. Yep. Like, Getting your bachelor's. Yeah, I already had my associates and I was getting two bachelors at the same time. That's a lot of resilience right there. Got to. First generation student. Okay. All right. It it meant a lot to do what my parents didn't do and go to school and double it up no matter what. And so, like, I would bring them to my homecomings and my shows and they were like, in the crowd, yeah. (laughs) Just trying to, like, live through me. So I enjoyed that moment that they got to have that. But yeah, once I pledged, um, he felt like he took a back seat, but I found out like he had a lot of infidelities still. A lot of lies popped up. And then he started messing around with this other girl who was in a different organization than I was. And it made like our campus group chat, Snapchat. It just blew up. I was embarrassed. And then the girl was there and I'm like, I'm about to put Jesus on the shelf right now. (laughs) And so when I told him what happened, he sat there like it was nothing. And so in my mind, oh, you about to take me there. (laughs) And I I can't even fight you at this point. It's just, you know, we just need to be done. And he was like, nah, try harder, whatever. Gave another week. It just mentally couldn't do it. I'm like, you did all this. It was too big. And then I have your kids now. I'm happy to hear he's still alive. I'm happy he's alive, too, because that man was a dead man, and he knew it. <laughs> he definitely knew it. But we joke about that situation. All We literally just did last month. We joke about it all the time. I was like, you know, I could have killed you. And he just said, yeah, <laughs> and leave it, at, leave it at that. But, I mean, like I said, once he apologized for that moment, because it was huge for our campus, and it was mm. very embarrassing. So, mm. and he took, like, full responsibility and, like, Validated my. Is the girl alive? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she alive. All right, I don't want to incriminate you on camera. <laughs> <laughs> she's alive, y'all. She's, right. she's alive. Right. But uh, she definitely crossed these hands. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> she's alive. All right. Uh, God bless her. But um, no, it it was it was once he took full responsibility, it was like okay. No. We know that life teaches us, experience teaches us, and yeah. you even go in, you weren't even a counselor at that time or a therapist. Mm-hmm. With what you know now, do you think you would have dealt with that situation differently? No. I probably would have fought both of them, honestly, <laughs> because you put me out of my element mm-hmm. <laughs> on purpose. I probably would have, and then I probably would have been mad I did it, but I keep telling myself, like, I'm human. I got to give myself grace at all because I got these credentials don't make me above somebody else. So, um, and I was young then. We were, I was 23 turning 24, and he was 26 turning 27. So my mindset, even though it was still kind of the same place, I was still somewhat immature, I probably still did the same thing. Maybe worse. (laughs) I'm wondering, at that time, how did it impact your parenting, if it did? It did. He didn't see my girls... uh, for a long time because like I said we didn't talk about the kids at all so like his parents would visit them or like meet me halfway and come pick them up so I can get a break and he'll see them for a couple hours but he was never really around them so it's like he himself couldn't find like the space to like dwell with them like that Mm. and so we literally had that conversation wow yeah that is like traumatic in so many different realms right so you have we were co-parenting yeah. together in a relationship to you be literally became a single parent at that point. Yep. And he also was no longer involved at that yeah. point. And then you guys recovered from that. Yeah, I don't know how still. I'm like, that's God right there. Because in reality, I don't, if you, where we're from in Chicago, if you allow a man to have that much space and freedom and not require him to come back, he won't. Mm. So I tell him, like, you know, like, you, I tell him, like, you're a great dad. Like, we talk all the time. We literally just talked on the way here, actually. Nice. So I'm like, you're a great dad. I said, what the girl's doing? I'm like, oh, okay, I love you. Talk to you later. <laughs> he has a ki- the girls right now? Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. He knew I was coming. And um, I told him I needed a mental break anyway, like a vacation. He was like, okay, I'm on my way. Joe, 
he was gonna drive the six and a half hours to come get them since I'm in Tennessee now. He's still in Chicago. But he met uh, my friend halfway while I got on the plane here. So he let them go to school and everything. So, okay, I'm on the way. Didn't even blink. And that's big what you just said. You needed the mental break. Yeah. Right? And you knew that it wasn't that you don't want your children. It's just like, maybe I just need a break to focus on me yeah. right now. And we don't, a lot of parents don't exercise that. No, we find guilt in it. Like mm -hmm. us as moms, we find guilt. And I did today. I was like, my grandma, I'm like, I feel guilty at times. Like when I'm having this much fun, mm. oh, when the kids at? <laughs> I'm like, oh, my baby's full of this. And then I had to snap that, like, no, this is for me. Like they can come next time. They can do this and this next time. This is my moment to breathe and have fun. Um, but it's like, it's like a repetitive thing to remind myself, like, don't feel guilty to have a break. Don't feel guilty to do trips or like to have a me moment. Cause I'm so used to like picking up everything, and so when I do, I'm like, damn. So it's okay. It's a, it's a still a work in progress. So are you able to keep up with that mindset, or? Yeah, yeah. I've, I I force myself to do that. Like once a month, I do something nice for me when I can. But when I do trips, like I force myself. Like it's okay to to go. Just just go, and mm. don't think about it too much. Cause if I think about it too much, I'm gonna call them back to back. Send me pictures. What are they doing? Mm. Don't you want to fly here right now? Like, <laughs> stuff like that. But when I force myself and teach myself repetitively, like, now it's it's easier. Before, it was definitely like a, a tug of war. Right. So you said you left the kids with him, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> now, I know as being a father, and when people see me with my kids by myself, <laughs> They're like, you know, very, they're throwing a lot of words of care. Like, oh my God, I can't believe, mom must be off today or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So, but, you know, I do hold a lot of responsibility with, with my kids. Um, but when you first left the girls with him, how was that for you? Yeah, I was freaking out. <laughs> I think I called him every hour. I was like, what they doing? Are they alive? But they got new scratches on them. <laughs> I, I was freaking out because he's never had them by himself the first time I left him. It was usually like his parents or him and his parents. Mm -hmm. Even when he did overnight, he would spend it over there and they would have them and then he would be like in his own space. So when he finally did it, I'm like, my kids going to come back with bruises. <laughs> A new cut on the forehead, talking about dad gave us peep and J for dinner. Like I was thinking the worst. And they came back normal. I was like, okay. I was like, okay, you did a good job. I was like, what you cook? He said, I didn't cook. Because he can't cook. Mm. I'm like, okay, good. You didn't poison them. Great. Mm. <laughs> so there's a lot of my anxiety went down more and more. And then like he knows I need constant reassurance. So he'll text and pictures, stuff like that. Or like now they have their own YouTube channel where they're cooking with dad. Mm. And he was in the videos. I'm like, oh, you're going to burn down the house. Mm. As long as it's your house. I love it. So you send him there with the fire extinguisher. Everything. Kid size. I send him a recipe now. I'm like, you know, try to cook this. Okay. Try. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so you saw the growth. Mm -hmm. You needed to see those things happen where he was able to care for them. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm sure that he needed some validation as well. Yeah. How do you think you did with that for him in his earlier phase of fatherhood? Um, The first couple of times, I know I gave him a hard time just because, like, the anxiety behind it. But um, after, like, the first two, three times, it went, like, real smooth for sure. So okay. now it's, like I said, I always tell him consistently, like, you're doing a good job. Which he does. You know, you had your attempted murder cases in the like <laughs> part of college. Yeah. You made it through it. You beat the case and, you know, fixed up the relationship. Became a counselor mm -hmm. after getting, you know, your credentials. How was it being a parent while working? Um, Hard. It's still hard now, honestly, especially with the population I work with. <clears throat> I try what not... population is that? So right now I work with the incarcerated population. Uh, okay. I am the counselor in cognitive behavior instructor for the men's and women's maximum security prison in Nashville. Okay. Um, definitely take pride in it. I love it. As we say, we hang with the killers and the drug dealers. The healers and the drug dealers. Wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. So how was that? Working in a prison. It's a prison, right? You yeah, were working no, at you working at the prison <laughs> and still being a full time mother. It's still hard. It's easy when it was just me and the girls, but now with Zach, it's like I'm starting all over again. Mm. Damn. So like I I already woke up early, but now I'm getting up at like five, doing our morning routine. Um, getting him ready, then getting them up, then getting out the door to drop him off, then going to the prison, being there, getting him, getting them. If they got practices, Lord bless me. <laughs> How do you fit in you taking care of you now? Um, My breaks. My breaks are about like an hour and a half. So like the first 30 minutes, I will purposely use it for like documentation or anything. And after that, psh, don't talk to me. I am off the clock. Okay. Wait. So I'll go get my favorite food, go for a walk, sit in my car and take a power nap, like recharge. Or if I stay on the compound, I'll lock my door in the office and just like breathe, play my music, chill. I will not touch anything at all. So that's like my me time right there to like reground before the second half of the day because we split it down the middle. Mm. Um, the end of the day is really like, the most important part though to get all that weight off, the stories, thoughts, everything before hopping back into parenthood for sure. Did did the prison experience change anything in your parenting? Uh yeah. I don't take my kids parenting for, approach. I don't take my kids for granted. Uh I try to be more gentler because now it's like um we had like a strict routine and schedule and then being there and seeing the inmates have the exact same schedule, I'm like, damn, I feel like I'm a CO. Let me, uh, <laughs> let me chill out a little bit. I'm like, get up at this time. Get just by this time, this time, this time, this time. I'm like, oh, you ain't got it. Well, you ain't got it. Doors locked. Look, <laughs> I don't even lock <laughs> my doors anymore. I wait until the end of the night. Like, when I come home, I'll close it, leave the screen door open, and just like, okay, I can get back outside. Because when we're on lockdown, we don't move. So I'm like, I'm going to go home. I could totally empathize with you there because when I worked in the in the jail in Rikers Island, it was the same thing, mm. right? I didn't understand what it meant to be in the cage, and you're literally in a cage. To get to, through a next door, the door behind you has to lock. Yes. Right? And if something's happening on the other side of the building, the entire building might be locked down, no matter who you got to get to, especially your kids. Yeah. Right. Um, how was the co-parenting? Because from what I remembered in working in the jail, if I had to be somewhere on time, oftentimes I wasn't mm -hmm. because it was a lockdown or something happened with one of my clients which slowed me down. So I'm sure that you had to lean on that co that other parent. Um, my son's father is not in the picture at the moment, so I don't lean on him or his family for anything. Mm. Uh, I have my own village. I have my godmom. I have his godparents. Like, they're amazing. Um, and the community I live in, it's a small, like, cul-de-sac area. So the kids, they get off the bus. They'll go to the best friend house. We all got cameras outside. We have an old lady next door that sits outside wait for the kids to get off the bus and greet them. They can play. If I'm not there, I get there five minutes after they do. But if I'm not there, like, oh, I got the girls. You're fine. They're going to play outside so you get home. That's fine. Mm. Get them tired. <laughs> I'm cool with it. So my village does that for me. And then my son's daycare doesn't close until 6. So I text them, like, hey, I'm kind of behind schedule. They, oh, no, you got a girl. Like, it's fine. Thanks for letting us know. And they're real cool about that. It's a mother-daughter, black-owned daycare. So... Honestly, without them, I will probably be losing my mind and I probably wouldn't have that job. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Right? So you're pulling on the strings of your resources mm -hmm. to help you out. And that's because the father's not involved at all. Yeah. Now, you have one father who is committed and then you have another father who's not involved. Yeah. How did you even respond to that difference in the spectrum? Uh, I'm still responding. It's, it's hard because I'm not used to it because I'm a daddy's girl. Mm. So um, 
I didn't expect that what we went through to happen from him for one, and then from him to come from such a loving family, uh, I didn't expect certain things to transpire within that. So it threw me completely for a loop. Um, when we went through the stuff that we did, I was hoping that they would be, his parents would be like my parents, like out of the picture, be a grandparent, mind your business, <laughs> keep it copacetic, fill in that gap and like care for the child. Don't worry about me and what I'm doing. Like I'm gonna get that situated. And it wasn't like that at all. And so it made even trying to co-parent with them mm. hard. So I'm like, I'm just going to eliminate it all together until it gets resolved legally. Because like, I want them to have a relationship with my son. My son's awesome. So they deserve to have a relationship with him, see him grow and everything. But now I want it done on the other side, the legal way, the right way. Because mm. obviously how it was going on my end and how I'm used to doing it with my daughter's dad is not working for y'all. So we're going to do it somewhere else. So you, the first, you're the GOAT. Mm -hmm, the GOAT. There's no legal no, aspect to it. No, we don't do anything. Like, you want them, I'm dropping them off. <laughs> Come get them. Even when it comes to child support, we don't do that. He takes uh, 250 to 500 from each check, puts it in a trust fund automatically, and like that's their money. So they can touch it at 18, touch the rest of it at 21. Um, we already got like cars picked out. Like, they're, the girls are set. And so I wanted to do the same. Cars picked out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got Ferraris and... No, 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 baby. We got four Focuses. Four Focuses? Okay, We're going to get you a bumper car, <laughs> okay? Right. Something that's already paid off. You can you can mess up all you want. That's beautiful. I'll run my car to the ground. But him, he has his first car that's still like good. It's like a 2017. So it's like, oh, he don't even drive it no more. He has like a, a SUV. So that's going to be the girl's car when they start you know, practicing and stuff like that. So... I take it they're getting close to the age of driving? Yeah, Casey's 11 turning 12, and then Caden, she's still young. She's okay. 6 turning 7. Okay. So um, Casey's going to be the first one. He's like, she's going to start driving uh, next year. No, she's not. Not on these roads. <laughs> you better take her to the alley and let her <laughs> learn, learn that way. But No, I wanted that with him. Once I saw that relationship was like completely dead, completely dead, like I just instantly, I want to co-parent. Mm-mm. I don't, I don't want anything else. I'm like, we can do this and this and this. I was like, I'll even let you have the kid and I will get be the opposite. You can have more time because it's a boy. Mm -hmm. You know, have more time with your son. He's a copy and paste of you. Let me have the lesser half and fulfill whatever is needed to be done because I already know how it looks. And then we'll take it from there. Like after he turns like six, seven weeks or whatever. Mm -hmm. Didn't even happen like that. I'm like, it's okay. Wow. Yeah. Your son is how old now? He is 10 months. His birthday is literally right after mine. 10 months. Yeah. Okay. So you're not getting deep conversations with him at this point. No, we right? just, we talk, we dance, we eat and sleep. <laughs> okay. So hopefully this does get resolved yeah. before he gets to that point. Because another thing is when the children are getting older, they're going to begin to ask questions. Yeah. You know, and... The hard truth may be hard for them to digest. I think about that all the time. Uh, my oldest daughter is from my first relationship. Mm -hmm. I have four kids, yeah. but my oldest from my first relationship and my three other children from after I got married. <clears throat> um, but when it came to, to that situation where you bring up, you know, the legal part, mm -hmm. It gets pretty heavy, yeah. right? It gets very heavy. Um, and I know that I had a opposite situation going on. I was trying to spend more time and I was getting less time. Mm. And part of the issue, I can't speak for that person, but I think that that person had some resentment towards me and knew that something I cared for was for my child. So... I could weaponize it in a way. Yeah. Um, but it was difficult to to deal with it. And to be honest with you, I'm still dealing with it now, to this day. Um, but it's it's one of those things where, like when I asked you how, you know, how you think you'll feel around those conversations, 
My daughter never asked me questions about it, but it's not like I was uninvolved or not around, but she's just seeing like me fighting to stick around. So it has a lot to do with how parents feel. So the legal route is, they say it's about the kids, but it's really about the parents. And if we can't figure it out, it's just us going back and forth like a tennis match until that child reaches an age where they're independent or, you know, a maturity level where they're independent and they're going to just break away from the chaos, right? Are you prepared to, if the legal route doesn't resolve the issue or issues when it comes to the involvement? Um, I am trying to mentally prepare myself. Um, the only reason why legal stuff is in route because we did have a domestic. So I wanted to make sure some type of protection was established. Some type of visitation was established. I wasn't worried. I'm not, I'm still not, I'm still not worried about money. Mm. Like I don't need your money. Like you can do what Spencer does. You can get an account and put it in there. Mm. But seeing how the legal route goes, you gotta establish child support, healthcare, uh, retroactive child support, everything. So it is what it is in that aspect. If that doesn't get resolved <clears throat> of him responding to that or wanting to do anything, um, I mean, I'm prepared in my mind it is what it is. Cause at the end of the day, like my son still has his godfather. He has their dad. He has other black men um, that he's around on a weekly basis. Like the one thing that stuck with me was um, his dad had told my dad, like my son, he was only like four weeks old. Like my son's around too much feminine energy. Mm-hmm. He's gonna turn out another way. Um, don't you think he deserves to be with me? Like, first off, my son's one month old. He's still mm-hmm. on the tit. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. He has to be around me. But there was no one else around my son but me. My girls weren't even there yet. They didn't mm-hmm. even meet him. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as he said that, I'm like, so you're saying that if my son's around me too much or another woman too much, he's going to be, like, gay or something? Like, what? what's the problem with that? At the end of the day, like, he's going to be around family in general. But I made it, like, known, like, he's around men. So now what? So what what's the next catch? Mm. You feel me? So he's not gonna lack. And I know that for a fact. He has too much of a strong community behind him to lack. Now if he has like a knucklehead this on him, we're not gonna stand for it. But as far as his upbringing, you know, there will there will be a void filled in, but now she's not gonna be that type of void. Like you're gonna want your dad around. Mm. So hopefully like it gets resolved to where he can step up and be in the picture the correct way. And then whenever him and Zach have those questions, you know, that's that's up to y'all. Is it triggering coming from and working in the prison system while co-parenting and going down a legal route? Yes, yeah, it's, it's very triggering actually. Um, because me dealing with inmates all day, actually dealing with their charges, their cases, some of them do have like um, that background mm. and they have to be registered. It's like, um, or those who are on the inside and they lose their parenting rights. So for the state, if you're locked up for more than six months without like them somewhere with family, your child goes into the system and like you lose your, your parents' rights. Mm-hmm. So um, it's like there are people who actually want their kids, losing kids, those who can't be with their kids and see them like, and dealing with some type of cases, it is very sad and triggering for sure, which makes me like kind of tread lightly and have more empathy in in my situation. But then I still have to like bring in reality, like you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean to add on to that, I have the experience of working in jail, and I also work in child protection. Right. So we have that in common. Right. So in child protection, I remember I started working in child protection in 2007. Mm -hmm. Sorry, 2008 in January 2008. And my child was born May 2008. So pretty much as I was building my skills as a CPS worker, I was also learning to be a father as well. So I was picking up all of those skills, learning about all these different ways that a child um, could be neglected or abused 
and being proactive in protecting my child. Um, so when it comes to working in the field and being a parent, a lot of times you're learning from other people's experiences and applying it for yourself to make sure that, you know, you're protected um, and your child is safe and well cared for. Something as simple as we call it safe sleep, yeah. but is about, you know, how am I putting my child to sleep? You know, am I laying, sometimes children sleep better when they're laying on their stomach, but they're supposed to be on their back. But now I know that my baby falls asleep quicker on their stomach, but to practice safe sleep, leave them on their back, even if they're crying, mm. trying to condition them to sleep in a, you know, in a more safer position. Um, you know, having certain teddy bears and sheets in the crib was an issue uh, it, that people face where children get tangled up. Uh, when especially mothers, if you may be nursing and you fall asleep and the baby's on your chest, you fall asleep, you get up, forget the baby's on you, mm -hmm. baby they falls on the floor, yeah. gets hurt. Um, all of those things just in the infant side. And then when you get into elementary school and now I'm in a teenager side, my daughter's turning 15, you're learning more and more. Having these tough conversations about relationships, um, talks about how to deal with bullying, um, you know, peer pressure. There's so many more substances than ever before. And they look like candy. I never remembered yeah. candy looking, you know, substances when I was growing up. So now you have to educate them on that. And working in the jails, you're most of the kids, sorry, most of the inmates who were there were from single parent households, right? So we already know growing up in a single parent household, the chance of you being incarcerated multiplies, right? Now, how do you even fill in that gap for the person? That's when the healing starts. Yeah. But now I'm in a place of chaos where I need <laughs> to fight for survival while I'm trying to heal. So, you know, it becomes so much. But Working in the jail, I also work not only in the men's side, but also the female side. So I'm seeing women growing up with a father missing, not involved, and seeing the importance of that. Because I lie to you not, when those arguings and that drama gets hectic, sometimes I'm like, maybe I'll just see her when, I'm eight, when she's 18. But it's like, if I do, it might be too late. Yeah. So much could happen in between that time. So, you know, I appreciate how work was able to mold who I am as a father. And it sounds like for you as a parent, it's been very beneficial as well. Yeah. it Like I said, I give myself grace when it comes to like my job and even my kids. The bullying part, we're hitting that phase now. Mm -hmm. My first thought is punch them. Mm -hmm. Punch them. I later told my youngest that because this is it's a child that keeps bullying her consistently. And she's very nice. She it's non-confrontational. And she's like, I don't know what to do every day. I said, you know, tell the teacher, tell the principal, tell the counselor. So I did it all. All right, punch him. <laughs> do the last resort. <laughs> defend yourself, right? You gotta no, defend yourself. I mean, at this point, do the do the counselor way. And if mm. that does not work, it's gonna, it's gonna turn my head. <laughs> Being a counselor definitely has opened my eyes to the dark side of stuff when it comes to kids that we don't speak on and also how we need to meet our kids where they're at, like we meet our clients where they're at. Mm -hmm. And sometimes as parents, we kind of don't do that because we expect our kids to already know what to do because they're our kids. Mm. And so I had to check myself on that a lot. Like, okay, maybe she doesn't know what she's doing. Like, let's talk it out. Let's do some extra steps. And I learned my oldest is not a talker. She's a reader. Mm. So I learned to write notes. I learned to buy books on those topics. I'm like, do you understand what the book is saying? She's like, yeah, you got to do this and this and this. Perfect. You get it. Then I can incorporate my stuff into it. And so um, I just literally do what I do with my clients. Like meet them where they're at, figure out what's the easy way for them to learn things, how to keep them mindful and aware of certain stuff. And then just like instill it. Can't do that with Zach. But I can do it with them, though, for sure. Yeah. 
And like you said, it's not a one size fits all yeah. for your kids. You could have the kids same set of parents and they're different children. Oh my god! Yeah. Right. When we are too future oriented with the kids, mm-hmm. it could be overwhelming for us as parents. And also, especially for the kids, yeah. you know, because they're going to feel they have to live up to this expectation. And if they don't, they failed as being your child. And then you feel like, hey, if you don't live up to what I think your expectation is, I failed as a parent. Right. So you have to be very present um, in, in finding that identity, just like you mentioned you know, one is athletic, one is into more princess stuff. So now I have to utilize what they're showing me to figure out their identity. Mm-hmm. I have one son and like, you know, you mentioned that um, your son's father mentioned like, oh, he's around girls and too much feminine energy. I don't want him to be this or that. And I didn't worry about that until I had a son and it's not more so I'm worrying about it. It was in the forefront of my mind, mm-hmm. but it was other people like, ah, right, you got the boy now. Now you got to go play ball. You got to play this. All his gifts is like sports oh, items, mm-hmm. you know, and you look at him and watch him. He's into tech. <laughs> so now I'm like, all right, he'd rather play a football game than play, play football. football. Yeah. You know, and the irony is when he does play sports, he's great. But he doesn't want to. He doesn't have that inner passion for it. Mm -hmm. But I have to respect that, at least for now, that he's not into it right now as much as I would want him to be or the people around him would want him to be. Um, Then another piece is, like, making him tough, right? So now, as I'm learning so much about mental health, that toughness that's being imposed on boys... Mm -hmm ends up turning into some toxic energy when they're adults. Yes. Right? So we are on the show, Black Man Cry, right? So when that young black boy is crying, I'm not letting him cry. He has to be tough. Now he's a black man who's holding all this in, Mm -hmm. can't express himself, and is going to show up in different behaviors that might not be helpful to himself or others. So I allow him to to kind of be in his emotions, you know, because he has to learn his emotions and how to respond from it. He has three sisters, so he has that feminine energy around him as well. But the irony about him is like innately he's watching me. Mm -hmm. So he's like, all right, dad is making sure that his wife, my mom, and my sisters are safe. You know, I know he goes, like, the other day he asked me, he's three years old, he's asking me, like, do you enjoy working? I'm like, <laughs> like, you're three yeah. years old? Like, you must have saw this on a YouTube video. Gotcha. Somebody asked that. And and he's like, why do you work? And he's in that why face. Why, why, why? Uh, and it brought me back to understanding what is my fatherhood identity, mm-hmm. Right we know that we have to be the provider and protector. Mm -hmm. But with the COVID babies, he's three years old, so he's a COVID baby. I got a two-year-old, she's a COVID variant, right? (laughs) So with the COVID baby, he knows me and being at home because I was working at home for most of his life. So now he's seeing the world opening up and now I'm not in the home as much. So he's thinking like, what's up with the change? Yeah. You know, he knows me of being the provider, the protector, and also the nurturer, which is usually mom. Mom was still going to work because she works in a hospital. Hospitals are open. We need you to take care of all this, that, and the third. So he doesn't, it's not that he doesn't know his mom as a nurturer, but he knows me as being a nurturer as well. You show him another role he's not used to. He's not, he's not, well, he didn't know anything. In the, about the wor- world, but now he's not used to me not being that present, mm-hmm. right? So when it comes to identity, I have to explain to him these different transitions, even that he's he's young, may not understand it comprehensively, but these different transitions, because I know that's what I want him to become, a person who could be analytical, adjust, be flexible, 
when he grows up and hopefully if he chooses to be a father or whatever, that he is a better father than I was. That was the, that's the goal. That's what my father told me. Just be a better whatever than I am. Better father, a better husband, better worker. That's my goal for you. That's what I want you to become. I don't care what you do as long as you're better than me. I don't want you to regress, right? So that's part of the generational wealth, yeah. right? It doesn't have to be monetary. It's about, you know, what is your values, your integrity looking like? Are you meeting up to that standard that I had and going beyond that? You know, but that's also pressure too. If you're like a great dad or a great mom, and I'm not that good, or I have to live up to that, <laughs> yeah. that father's the goat, right? Yeah. So if you go on like he's the goat, and your daughter's like, now I gotta reach the standard of the goat. The best thing is that Spencer has no expectations. Okay. None, literally, and it's, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> But he has none because he knows that, um, like, I have expectations of them, right? And I'll tell him. And I'm like, they're doing this. This is not what I picture. He was like, because you're not supposed to picture this. Like, mm. just chill. Just chill out. I'm like, okay. I said, so I'm going to let you handle it then. And I just gave him the reins and he does it way better. I'm like, well, what the heck? Like, what did you do? He's like, nothing. Don't do nothing. Just let them be. Like, mm. Okay. So what advice would you have for the new fathers now that the pandemic is over, everyone's back to work, um, having, being a girl dad, honestly, is so different. Um, and then finding that narrative to where being a girl dad, they don't feel uh, like their masculinity is being challenged. How, what advice would you have for them? Well, you know, when it comes to fathers, whether you're a father already or planning to be one or on the way to be one, um, I always say, hey, it's a marathon. It's not a race. So be patient, right? Be super patient. Allow yourself to be vulnerable. A lot of men, when I tell them that, they can't comprehend what I mean by that. It's like, you want me to be soft? You want me to be weak? I'm like, I want you to soften yourself. I want you to step out of your comfort zone. You still could keep your comfort tools, but step out your comfort zone when it comes to, to, to the fatherhood part. Um, I give them a lot of warnings from what I went through, right? Even though I am not with my first child's mother, I'm married now and have children with my wife, it doesn't mean that everything is peachy. Oh. there's going to be moments of disagreements. There's going to be moments where one parent wants to be authoritative and the other parent wants to be more lenient. Mm -hmm. um, there's going to be moments where it's like, all right, that child is going to have this gift and other parent says, I don't think the child needs that expensive gift, right? There's going to be disagreements, but it's about being open to feedback as well for those fathers who are co-parenting from separate households or not together. I tell them, focus on making that other person feel understood, right? So you know what your point is and what you want to say or do. But if they feel you don't understand them, they're going to continue to stick on trying to prove that point instead of getting to what you guys need as a unit. Right. So and I I'm like a neighborhood consultant for all the single dads in my neighborhood. They call me like, oh, look, bro, I'm going through it. I think I'm taking it to court this time. But, you know, I tell them, look, if you're going to go there, these are some things that will be <laughs> you should focus on or be mindful of is going to happen if you take it to the court piece. Mm. Have you tried talking differently? Have you tried even having a mediator? Um, mediate things because we spend the time to romance and have the child, but we don't really spend too much time like actually laying out what the parenthood will look like until after the baby's born. So sometimes we have to slow down. Let's reflect. This is not working. That's not working. Check our values. Values are important. Culture is important. You might be from two different religions. It makes a big difference in parenting. Two different cultures, a big difference in parenting upbringing, you know, is big. Um, and life experience, 
you know, if the person grew up with some trauma, whether it's an intact or single parent, they may spill it into their parenthood mm. and they have to check themselves on that. So just being open to feedback and criticism um, and also as fathers, trying to be more open to talking to other fathers, bringing yourself around other fathers. Mm. You, not just in crisis, so bringing yourself around other fathers. You go to the park, you see another father, chat with that father. You go to Six Flags, you on the line with another father, chat with that father. Chat with fathers because that's going to help you grow and find your identity. That's all I got for you. Okay. <laughs> so this was a great conversation. Yeah. I learned a lot about you and your parenting. <laughs> Right. I, I learned how the journey of your parenting and how important it is for you to make sure that your girls and your son have a healthy environment. That looks like is the underlying theme here. Yeah. All children need a healthy environment, no matter what parent is there. And some children don't have their biological parents there, but they need that healthy environment. These conversations don't happen much in our community unless we're talking ish about a situation, mm -hmm. but we need to continue to build these healthy conversations and your testimony is going to help other people who face similar circumstances and probably facing one right now where they're like, I don't know what to do. And this is a similar situation. Now they heard what you did and how it's working. They may try that. At least they have a healthy model to show for that. So um, I hope this could save some co-parenting lives <laughs> as it's going to help the upbringing and thriving relationship between the children and their parents. So let's keep on being great parents. Give me a fist bump on that. <laughs> <laughs>